Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kirk. Yeah, we're both on Twitter. Everybody knows that. That's right. And we're coming at you from the Downstairs Athletic Club two weeks in a row where our teams have took painful losses, and we're still here. We're bringing you the goods. If nobody else will pat us on the back, I'll do it for us. This is just what I call Sunday. <laughs> it's got to hurt for you, though, I imagine. Yes, it does. There's... The sting. The sting is real. Um, okay. Uh, where, where do you want to start? Let's man? just jump right into the Eisman. Okay. Number of big performances. I really I really like Watt Fillier. Yeah. I mean, he's... Hey, I watch, think he's watch your my, He's my favorite non-Illinois player in the Big Ten right now. Because of the name? or uh, It's partly because of the name, sure. but then also just partly how awesome he is. And yeah. wearing number one doesn't hurt. Jack Plummer had a... Well, so WAP had 10 catches, 182 yards. Jack Plummer had a great game for Purdue. Looks like he's emerging. David Bell had a great game. But Greek and I both agreed. We both had the same We literally sat here. down to talk it out, and it took a half a second to come to an agreement. Yeah, you could. You can't really choose one of these running backs. It's just the running back room for the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Rodney Smith, big game, 18 carries, 139 yards, one touchdown. Shannon Brooks, love this, coming back from injury, 13 totes for 99. Did not hit pay dirt. However, guess who did? Muhammad Ibrahim. <laughs> Muhammad's back. 15 carries, 84 yards, three big touchdowns for Mo. So, Minnesota, Golden Gopher, running back room, you get this week's Eisman Trophy. And if you uh, total everything up for them, they had a robust seven-yard average oh, per carry. All three. And as a team, ran for 322, and almost all of that was those three. Correct. Great effort. So we'll get back into that game when we get into the games. Um, Anything else you want to discuss before we do that? Well, how was the trip? Um, You know, I could have set it down when we talk about the game, but I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Penn State fans that were there. Okay. I don't know. Maybe a little bit they get a a bad rap, and I and again you got to separate online humans and and the Twitter and the the, hu- the humans that yeah. you actually interact yeah. with. Sure. The people that were at our tailgate were fantastic. There oh, there were like, people at your tailgate. Yeah, they were just kind of like the group over. Okay, um, and you know we interacted with them. It was like eight or nine 40 to fifty year old guys that all had matching white Penn State uh, overalls. Okay, on. that was their like kind of game day setup. Hilarious. They're just, they were just good dudes. I don't know. They were, did they drive? I didn't ask him that. Um, and then we had, uh, where my brother and I sit in the game. Uh, there's just splattering of Penn state fans around us. Mm -hmm. Um, good guy. There was actually one guy that stopped at one point and said, I just want everybody to know Iowa fans have been really nice to me. (laughs) He just said it out. Hey, well, thanks for mentioning (laughs) that. It was hilarious. My brother wasn't there when he said I forgot to say something to him. But uh, but overall, it was I don't know. They were they were good fans. And believe it or not, I've been at big games like that at (laughs) Illinois Memorial Stadium. It's just been a long, long time. Yeah, those were good times. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun overall. Well, until you know. In fact, it's been specifically since I've been at a nice, big, like packed house, like intense atmosphere, big game. 2001. It's been 18 years. Oh, really? That's how you feel? No, I mean, that's just, that's how few there have been since then. Okay. We'll get into that stadium had the field last night. I mean, it it was definitely a. a It sure looked like it. Yeah. It looked awesome on TV. Okay. All right. So we should get in the games? Yeah. Okay. So again, two teams were idle this week Northwestern and the Ohio State. So. 
Once again, chronological order, starting with the 11 o'clock games and then working our way down to the Big Ten game of the week. First up, Purdue 40, Maryland 14. The Boilermakers with a robust 547 yards of total offense. The Terps with 403. So you called the upset here. You didn't call the blowout. No, I almost nailed Purdue's total points. Thought for sure. Maryland would put more points oh, on I the board. Too. So if you told me going into this game that Maryland would have roll up 403 yards of offense, not that that's off the charts, but no. that's, that's good. That's a solid day at the office. Yeah. And you only pull 14 points out of that. That's yeah, not good. That's not good. And, you know, there was some, like, debate on Twitter as to where this game falls in the Hoosier line. So I just want to clarify that. Purdue is at the Hoosier line. So you could say it's like the Indiana state line maybe now because both of these teams are – their defense seems to be at the same level because you look at the stats, you look at the score. This is what a normal team does. They didn't roll Purdue for 63. They didn't have zero and like 90 yards. They put up a normal amount of yards. Okay. They put up a normal amount. That they're is the it. Hoosier line. So yeah. they're right on the Hoosier line, which it bodes well for Purdue because they were looking horrible on defense. And I was thinking – Nick Holt's days are numbered. Boy, he turned him around in this game. Well, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe the demigod, the OG, the original demigod, um, let his defensive coordinator know that he would be gone if things didn't he might look have. better. Uh, he was saying game. some pretty yeah. damning things about the defense. Forced two turnovers. Um, I would say, for the most part, a big part of the issue for Maryland is that Pigram – it's kind of what we saw last year, right? When you he take had, away, I mean, shocker, when you take away the passing attack of a team, it typically hurts the overall offensive production and yeah. scoring points. I think that's part of what we saw here. You know, Piggy was doing okay for a while there. And I, of course, as soon as I tweeted, I'm like, you know what? He's looking pretty good so far. Then he throws the pick six. Yeah. Pick six, big ultimate deal. musher. Sorry, Piggy. Did run the, the ball well on the ground, but there is just something to an offense that is not designed to consistently be running the ball all the time, a la a service academy. Yep. Like that's you're 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 consistently trying to get yourself into third and short so that you can mm-hmm. convert them. Um, when you're an offense like this, that you still are designed to want to throw the ball. When somebody stops you on four, first and second down, and then you are put into third and seven plus, yeah. they can't convert. That's no. why, that's that's how that's why these offenses come to a stop. I'm yeah. not saying anything prophetic here. That's, right. that's just kind of how it goes. But let's talk about Purdue a little yeah, bit. Sure. Um, yeah, we, it, we were kind of doom and gloom about Purdue. It wasn't looking good. I thought there was no chance they're making a bowl. And I think I remember saying something like, if you're a Purdue fan, just watch the freshman and look at look at the future. Well, guess well, what? The future of the freshman. might be now. <laughs> yeah, right. Because the freshman in this game, I, I'm look, Jack Plummer, amazing. Ahmad Anderson, um, Milton Wright, David Bell, uh, King Doru, Corey Trice, Carlaftis, the, they were playing freshmen on the offensive linemen. There were freshmen everywhere, and all of them were playing well. Well, and that's what, obviously, Brom is doing right now. He's saying, this is the future yeah. of our program. Um, my guess is, knowing Brom's person, I, I mean, I know him personally, but going off of how he talks in press conferences, he is not going to allow his, his freshmen using their freshman status as an excuse. He's challenging them to be good mm-hmm. right now. And for the most part, they came through with it, at least in this game. So they had three st- three guys in new positions on the offensive line. They shuffled things around a little bit for this week. And I, granted, it was, it was Penn State last week. They gave up 10 sacks, but they only gave up one sack 
to a Maryland team that has a pretty good pass rush. So I, I, I think that was a big part of the improvement that we saw. Um, another lopsided point in this game was in coaching. I mean, just overall prep game day. Well, the, the defense for Maryland is, is really putrid. It is bad. It, it is, is awful bad. breakdowns I, I, everywhere. I, it, it looked good last week, but that's because of a team we're going to talk about here yeah. in a minute. Like M- Maryland, it's got some issues. I think it's got issues on both sides of the ball, but there's no, there is no debate that they have issues on defense. Now I will say watching both of these coaches call plays, especially in the first half, it, this was a fun game in the first half to watch. Sure. Yeah. Locks was calling some beauties, man. Yeah. I mean, they were bringing Purdue was bringing pressure. He would just dink it right over the head on a, on a screen called that that boot that Piggy ran for the touchdown where he could have got a first down throwing it and he just tucked it and ran. There were great play calling on both sides. But now let's half. talk about after halftime when adjustments are made. Yes. <laughs> one one got adjusted, one didn't. Correct. I mean that's my that's my take on that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um yeah, so uh something stunk in Denmark with that line before when Vegas talks to me, I try to listen. That's that's what it was. Um so I got to turn up my hearing aid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I went I went uh, six and zero straight up. I saw that. Games. Yeah, that's that was, that's pretty impressive. So, and good. then speaking of coaching, I and mean, this is just a hallmark of bad coaching: nine penalties, sixty-seven yards. Yep, can't that's, do it. Can't do that. Kills you. Nope. Like it is funny because I do. I'm probably uh, somewhat guilty of this too. You start looking through the team stats, and sometimes I just skip over penalties. Yeah, penalties are not to be skipped over during a game because. It always seems like penalties happen at the worst time possible, right? Absolutely. And when you can't eliminate penalties like that, it's going to crush you. It's just another one of those things that's crushing Maryland. Yeah, right meanwhile, now. Purdue only four penalties. I mean, that's a sign of good coaching. Yep, they're the better team. And with the win, Purdue moves to two and four. Still not where they wanted to be on the season, but looks a little bit better than it did just 36 hours ago or so. And Maryland drops to three and three. Next game up, yikes almighty, Indiana 35, Rutgers 0. Have have you heard me say that before? The Hoosiers with 557 yards of total offense to Rutgers 75. That's right, 75. It's unbelievable. One passing yard that Rutgers had. Um. Their their head coach Dominic DeCoco said, "Quote, Repeat, please, <laughs> Dominic DeCoco, that's almost impossible." He said that yeah. about his team. Correct. But they haven't had one passing yard against other teams, so maybe it's something that Indiana's doing. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not saying. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's end it on. Talking positive about the Hoosiers, there's plenty to say there. A little bit more on Rutgers. Um, we are, I mean, we intimated to at this the previous pod that the Hoosiers are encroaching on historically bad as far as Big Ten. The R- Rutgers is Scarlet sorry, Rutgers. sorry, Rutgers. We are we're we're getting there. Uh, I yeah, I think we maybe we're there. I mean, you yeah. had, you had sent me that yeah. that tweet about uh, Northwestern that having the worst offense historically in a season in the Big Ten, and Rutgers is outpacing them. Rutgers on pace for the worst Big Ten offense ever. The 1981 Northwestern Wildcats had 75 points in nine games and was shut out five times. The 2019 Rutgers Scarlet Knights have seven points 
in four Big Ten games have been shut out three times. And here's where it gets bad. They still have to play Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan State. I mean, there's going to be more shutouts. So here is something that was talked about at our tailgate yesterday, and I was making a correlation. Um, There is a college, Grinnell College. Yeah, I've heard of it. In Iowa. Um, Did you have, was there like a really smart nerd that you that you knew in your high school? Well, yeah, but Grinnell is a nerdy school, right? Well, that's where I'm getting to. Yeah. This is the elite of the nerds that go to Grinnell. Yeah. So to field a football team, like typically, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't mean to generalize too and much. And I don't here, know, but, honestly, do they have a football team? Well, <laughs> that's debatable. Kind of? Okay. <laughs> um, it, it, typically speaking, not to generalize too much, but extreme nerds don't typically equate to so football it's, players. it's pretty much like MIT having a football team. <laughs> it's, it's a lot like okay. that. Yeah. Um, so like we, uh, you know, just being in Iowa, people know people, somebody knew the coach and he literally was walking through campus and just saw a big dude and said, please come out. Really? And he, and he played football. He, he started playing football. Never, no kidding. Never had played it before in his <laughs> life. Oh my God. So they were getting beat so bad. Like we are talking 86 to nothing every game. The 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 administration finally made a decision and just said we're we're canceling the rest of the football season and they stopped. They were like zero and three, zero and four, and they just oh, they just Lord. they said no more football this year. This year, no more football for the rest of the year. What's their long term plan? I have no idea. I'm not. I'm certainly not following Grinnell athletics. So, are hard. you suggesting that Rutgers take a similar path here? <laughs> you look at how bad it's been, and it's they bad, haven't man. even gotten to the quote unquote tough part of their schedule. No, um, they really have zero chance to even be competitive in any of those games. I think if you put them in the Mac, they might finish last in their division. It would be up for debate. I'm pretty sure sh- the Mac is pretty bad this it year. Is. It is. And if you could have gotten Rutgers into the Mac at the beginning of the year before they lost all hope, yeah. that would have been a, a different deal. But before- right now, not only have the wheels come off, the steering wheel's gone, the windshield has flown into the front seat. Yeah. Uh everything's bad. It's their 10th Big Ten shutout, like 10th game since they joined in 2014 that they've been shut out of. I mean, there are some teams in the Big Ten that haven't been shut out 10 times. You'd have to go back to the 60s or 70s probably. Yeah, I'm I don't, sure. I, I would think that's – okay, so we have established how bad. And Oof. and we have, when we set out for this podcast, we wanted to be positive, but this is so historically bad out of Rutgers. We can't not you bring can't, this up. We can't – You can't this. ignore it. This isn't a pink elephant. This is a stinky, gigantic brown elephant in the room. And is it too early to start talking about what, what do they do? I don't know. Everybody wants Shiano back. I don't I think that's going to work. I bet you is even looking at the same – I'm sure that's how he's looking. I, I how got could, a legacy. Yeah. I you know, I don't know. All I right. Think, I think you got to find like a, just a young, energetic coach from way down and the dumb. ranks. He's got to be kind of dumb. Smart and dumb at the same time. <laughs> you got to be both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On to the Hoosiers, yeah. though. Um, I, so the inventors of the Hoosier line, and essentially they, against bad teams, they flex their muscle. There was no disappointment here. They absolutely steamrolled. Yeah, I mean, I thought this is where they're ready just to just to take a team like this as you're supposed to beat the brakes off of and just do it from from the second the foot hits the football until the game is basically over. I mean, this thing was over immediately. Second quarter, um, somewhere on there. Had the under in this game, it hit. Was nervous because I'm like. Okay, I think the Hoosiers might just put up 50 points on their own. I'm yep. kind of surprised they didn't. They Penix, slowed down. Yeah, they just did. They just slowed yep. down. Penix, 
20 of 29, 280 yards, three touchdowns. Stevie Scott, yeah. 164 yards rushing, and our boy WAP, 182 yards receiving. Defense was, had six sacks. Yeah. Defense was devastating. They were smothering. I'm, I'm going to make an announcement. I'm For the rest of the year, I'm going to be an IU fan. Okay. I, I, I I support it. I saw you. You you have a nice rapport with Hoosier fans I do. on Twitter. Uh, your insider seems like a good egg. Grew up in Indiana. Yeah. I mean, there's a yeah. connection there. Didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like you suffer enough. I, I give you credit. I mean, I suppose there's a little bit of man card issues with this if you really wanted to get, you know. No, I mean, I have nothing to cheer for with Illinois. I just want something to cheer for. Yeah. So, And I feel like Indiana's kind of, I don't want to say the equivalent. They're obviously a much better program right now, but they're. They're they're kind of the Illinois of the East. I, get I mean, because I'm more I of a basketball I, school, yep. like in a populous state. And I can't bit. identify with Maryland or Rutgers as much. And I don't want to be a fan of Penn State or, yeah. or any of those. So I'm I'm an IU Hoosier fan for the rest of this season. Yeah. Um, Count me in. Uh, there's a little there's probably some Hoosier fans listening to that saying um, we're pretty good at mixing in the heartbreak here, too. But I, I would say go. I still, you know, support it. For I them, hope so. I don't mush them. Um, um, but again, I. You have got to give the Hoosiers credit. There are certain things that they have took a step up. I don't know they how, are. To, they're, how to say yeah, it. They like, they're better. Like things could have gone crazy bad after the last coaching change. It was messy how that it went was. Down. Yeah. Tom Allen deserves credit, man, for for keeping not only it's my guy the it's wheels. My, it's our coach. <laughs> Not only keeping the wheels on the bus, but the buses gain speed. Buses gain speed. And I'm tired of my team's wide receivers not getting the credit that they're due. <laughs> this it. this wide receiver group is they are the most underrated in the Big Ten. Did you would you agree with that? They're I mean, okay, I mean, I don't I I still would not put them among the most talented in the Big Ten. I'm just saying underrated. Okay, underrated I would I can get with that. Yeah. Like th- at the high end, they're not as good as Minnesota, but they're deep. Really deep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they have four excellent wide receivers on this team. Yeah. I tell you what. And a good one tight thing end. I have learned doing this podcast: don't get in the middle of Big Kurt and his Indiana Hoosiers. That's receivers. right, man. He gets fired up. Yes, sir. So another good win for the Hoosiers. They move to four and two. Rutgers drops to one and seventy-five. That's not really the case, but that's you know how it feels. And I'm proud of our offensive line too. Yeah, it is. I, I, I was really scared of them this year. I thought it could go south. Yeah. And then Coy Crockett's injured, and it's almost like they haven't missed a beat. <laughs> Tell you what. Excited. Excited. Good things happen in uh, Indiana. Okay. By the way, that was the fastest TD <laughs> in IU history. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Fastest in ever. Oh, I'm sorry. Ever at Memorial Stadium. Oh, at Memorial Stadium. At yeah. venerated Memorial Stadium. 60 years old. <laughs> I remember when they opened it. <laughs> okay. Next up, Michigan 42, Illinois 25. The Wolverines with 489 yards of total offense. The Illini with 256. What a strange game this was. It was. <laughs> There's like three games in it. There was three games. There yep. was a 28-0 game. Yep. Illinois got blown out. Can I they, just they got, for one second? Yep. Um, because of traveling, I was I caught the first quarter on Sirius XM of this game. Yep. Um, Dan Deerdorf is the one that calls for oh, Michigan. Yeah. I kept hearing about like people kept tweeting about Deerdorf. What was he saying? The way I, I took it, I guess, is that like he was disgusted at Illinois tackling <laughs> and defensive effort. <laughs> like, cause you know, he's old school and old school on yeah. top of old school. And basically he's just like, 
Oh my God! They're just kill. Michigan's just <laughs> killing them up front. The Illinois, just a horrible effort tackling by Illinois. What is like? It, you would have thought that he was calling for the Illinois fighting line. So I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I would say that the Illinois defense made less boneheaded mistakes than against Minnesota. Okay, from what I could tell. All right, it seemed like they moved slightly in a positive direction. Baby steps. Okay, but yeah, this is there was a twenty-eight nothing game. Yep, where, where the Wolverines shut out Illinois. Then and was, was that at half? Did we? No, we got to it was half at twenty-eight to seven. Three at half. I think it was twenty-eight seven. Was it seven? Yep. Okay. Anyway, um, but then there was a twenty-five to nothing game where Illinois blanked Michigan. Correct. And then they came back and scored a couple late touchdowns. Yes. To, to ice it. Um, the uh, questions around the Hawkeye tailgate were basically, how in the hell did Illinois put 25 points up on the board? And basically my well, answer yeah, was... Well, yeah, how the hell? 256 yards? Right. I mean, they ran for 64 on 43 carries? Right. Well, I tell you what it was. It was the stuff that has gotten in the way of Michigan when they've looked bad, which is fumbles. They yeah, lost They still can't take care and, of the football. And turn the ball over. Um. They wanted. They have wanted to do it in every game. Some games they just have been able to pounce back on the fumbles. But the fact of the matter is, well, they pounced on a couple of them. Yep. Yeah. And they just lost a couple. Correct. I, I think mean, they had four fumbles. And you know, Shea Patterson's stat line: eleven of twenty-two, hundred ninety-four yards, three touchdowns. Like it looks good on a piece of paper, but it just doesn't look fluid no, on the but, TV screen. But let me tell you something. It was extremely windy at Memorial Stadium. Okay, so that's part of the deal. I think that was a big part of the deal. Like okay. the wind for those that don't know can be pretty harrowing at Memorial Stadium. I think I mean I think amongst harrowing. The, I you think amongst saving that word up. That was nice, man. I mean, you don't thanks. get to use harrowing very. But I think amongst Big 10 venues, I think it's known as the the windiest venue. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere like that. Um more stats for Michigan. Zach Chabonet, 117 yards and a touchdown. Hassan Haskins. Yeah. I got to be honest. I didn't know that he was a human <laughs> until earlier today or yesterday. 125 yards, also had a tutty. Um, yeah, pretty much Michigan wanted could do whatever it wanted to do running the ball. I mean, that was the story of the first half. That's kind of what we said. This is your get-right game on the ground, and yeah. they got right yeah. on the ground. Uh, Michigan put up about the the points that I thought they would, but Illinois put up about 20 more points than I had yeah. anticipated in this game. Uh, Matt Robinson, he got a little bit hot for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there was there. a time, you know, in the 25 nothing game that Illinois won, <laughs> there was a time when the offense actually looked like it had some rhythm to Correct. it. Correct. Finally, yeah. for the first time since the It wouldn't be game. fair to say Rod Smith is a rhythmic play caller. Yes. He needs to be on he, rhythm. He does. Okay. He, de- he needs to start feeling it. Yeah. If it's not happening, it can get ugly quick. Maybe they should check his like blood sugar level. Maybe they should do a study like when the plays are going good, he's yeah. like munching on something up there, and when the plays aren't doing good. And someone's got to hit him with some insulin. <laughs> I don't know. Something, something about um, that. So there was, a, there was a couple things that happened towards the end of this game where uh, Illini defenders had opportunities to really – to make a big stop and didn't. There was one in particular, Dele Harding's the middle linebacker for Illinois. Okay, he got recruited. He was a Michigan commit under Brady Hoke. Khaki Pants came on and either dropped him or else he, I think Khaki probably just said, maybe it's time for you to move on somewhere else. So he went to Illinois. There was a point where it was fourth and two, Patterson kept, and Dele Harding filled. He kind of had a block on him, but he, he got plowed over by Shea Patterson. 
that was his opportunity to stick it right in khaki pants's face and didn't get it done on the very next play after the first down nate hobbs had his opportunity to to shut down donovan people's jones couldn't do it one-on-one just got beat that's our probably our best defensive player just players not Stepping up and making plays. Yep. And then in the third game, Michigan said, oh, crap, we have to start scoring yeah. touchdowns again. And they scored two more right after that. Yeah, so. and a couple turnovers by Robinson. But I don't know. Robinson looked okay, I suppose. I guess maybe there's a quarterback controversy now for Illinois, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it's one of those games where uh, uh, the college football gods – blessed both teams with the feeling of feeling crappy both of them neither one of these fan bases walked out of this game i'm feeling good about no i'm sure michigan was not feeling good about it oh one positive note reggie corbin although he had an awful game nine carries for 14 yards passed red grange on the all-time rushing yards list for illinois really he did not quite as good of a game as Red Grange had against these Michigan Wolverines in 1924. Yeah, he had six less touchdowns. Otherwise, yeah. it was kind of right on par. The key is returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown. That's what I found. You got to do that. that. You got to get off to a Have fast to. start. All right, with the win, Michigan moves to 5-1, and one, and the Illini drop to 2-4. and four. That gets us through the morning, and we've got three crappy games that we've already broke down. And well, there's just more... And, and again, this is not this is not against your team. This is not against the Big Ten Conference in a whole. Basically, the way I view it is, it's just it's just mathematics. At some point, you're going to keep rolling the dice, and it's going to come up crappy game. Roll the dice again, crappy game. It's just happening over and over again. The college football gods are not being kind to us right now. And it's not just the Big Ten. Look around the landscape. There, we it's we just haven't had that that big a year this year. No, we haven't. And I just, I mean, I know there's a huge disparity between the Blue Bloods and the non-Blue Bloods, but it's got to be more than that. I think what's going on is, if let's say this, let's say there was Blue Blood status and it was renewed every year. Mm -hmm. Every year you start out and we determine who's the Blue Blood by the middle of the football season. Okay, so like everyone's a Blue Blood uh, ru- like they're in the running from the start. Yeah, from week 130 one. teams, and they just eliminate them as the, the weeks go on. Okay. You like it? I like Where it I'm so going? far, yeah. M- most years, recently, we've had two blue bloods. Yes. Maybe three. We've got like seven or eight blue bloods this year. Yes, we do, which because is a good thing. It is a good thing. Well, kind of. Kind of. I think what's happening, though, is because – there's so many of those blue bloods. They're beating down yeah. on the other teams. Whereas if yep. you pull a couple of those into the next level down where you're sure. just not, that's where the good games are at. And we're not, you might've nailed it. That might be it. A thing. That's a thing. Yeah. So, but here we go. Another crappy one. All right. Wisconsin 38, Michigan state zero points. The Badgers with 402 yards of total offense. To the Spartans, and we'll call it 150 yards of total offense. Um, this is what Wisconsin does. They shut your football team out. This is what they do. This is amazing. This may be more amazing than Rutgers' futility. For real. It's it's ridiculous. Um, they're trying to outpace the 1930 Badgers, who had five shutouts. But that's back when the scores were like 6-3, to three, typically. Correct. Yeah. Already four shutouts. Uh, y- Okay, 
they haven't played the greatest offenses. Like, what's the best offense they played so far? Is it Michigan, probably, or Michigan State? Those are the only two really. Yeah. I, I mean, they haven't played a dynamic no, offense. No, no, no. I okay. But that's. I'm not saying. That yeah. This is still incredible what they're doing. Fourth shutout of the year, which is the most in a year for a team since 1993, Florida State. But it took them all season to do it. Correct. We're halfway through the season here. Correct. It, it's it's unbelievable. Um. So Michigan State, and ironically, all these shutouts, right? Mm-hmm. Probably the worst offense they've gone against all year is Northwestern, and have put the most points up against them. Isn't that weird? Right. That is odd. That is odd, isn't it? Um, and shutouts. The thing about shutouts, they take some luck. Sure. You I know, mean, all like, it all it takes is somebody just uh, uh, running back dropping the ball on yeah. the, your thirty yard line. The offense gets 15 yards, kicks a field goal. That's yeah. three right there. Um, so I called this one. You went with Spartan under. And I just kept looking at this, and I couldn't get it out of my head. And I just kept thinking to myself, but what happened if Wisconsin can run the ball? Did they absolutely shove it down Michigan State's throat? No, I was impressed no. with how well Michigan State. But they still move the ball. They still they got still... 222 yards rushing, but they, they stopped Jonathan Taylor. They did stop Jonathan Taylor. Stop. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor only with uh, 26 carries, 80 yards. Did have two tutties. But what what does Wisconsin need to do? They need to get themselves into manageable downs. So they manage themselves into downs. Jack Cohn, 18 of 21, 180 yards, a touchdown, no picks. Yeah, he didn't go off for 290 yards and three touchdowns. But can you? But be he did much everything he had to do. Efficiency, yeah, and and a big part of their efficiency out of cone is when he's in manageable downs. He yep. was in manageable downs all day. Yep, they moved the ball. The time of possession at one point, I think my brothers and I saw, it was like twenty to five Lord. in the first half. Well, they had Michigan State had one first down in the first half, and I don't, I don't know how many yards it was. Um, thirty eight yards in the first half. That's bad. One. First down. So, you know, and th- there'll be a theme with another team we'll talk about later, but at some point, a very good defense, which I still consider Michigan State to be. I do too. I don't care who that defense is. If there was a theoretical way where yeah. th- they literally played the whole game, their offense never touched the ball, any defense is going to wind bad, up yeah. breaking down and giving up yards just from a statistical I was reading some Michigan State reviews of this game, and they were kind of blasting their defense. I'm like, how can you do that? They, they they had no chance here. It's they, all on the offense. This is all on the offense. Speaking of the offense, Brian Lewerke in that passing game, we said needed to have a big game, just laid an egg. They were awful. Lewerke Whenever said, you see a Rocky on the stat line for Michigan State. That means bad things. Bad things happened in this game, and Rocky got some stats. Brian Lewerke, though, 7 of 16 for 53 yards. No touchdowns, one pick. He ran for four yards. The longest rush of the day. Do you know what it was? No. It was the fake field goal. The, the, oh boy. Uh, okay, not only was it the longest rush of the day, that, that guy, linebacker uh, Tyreek Thompson, it was one rush for 20 yards. That was a stat line. He was their leading rusher oh with boy. one attempt. Oh, boy. After the game, D'Antonio was asked by, I don't know if it was a local reporter or who it was, do you regret the decisions you made as far as shaking up the offensive staff? He got ticked. I imagine he did. But um, you that's a question to be asked right now. It's a fair question, and if you're if you're gonna do something, maybe it, it was just time to hire some new some new faces. But why do that when 
we know. Yeah. He's not going to be there any longer. No. Just shuff- mean, shuffling the chairs. Would We should almost set an over-under on when D'Antonio is going to announce yeah. his stepping downness. Is it out of the realm of possibility that he would announce it before the season's No, over? it's not. Because if, if he knows he's out of contention for winning the East, wh- why not? Why not say it and then get your players to kind of rally around you the last few games? And and if they have some sort of plan, try to – I mean, if he – I mean, he – Obviously, still cares about this program once he's done something to anything that they can do to help out with recruiting to keep things going. I think that's what they're going to try to do yep. at this point. So Wisconsin, you know, just <laughs> this is just a great team. One penalty for ten yards. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. They they controlled the ball for forty minutes. And this was one where I, although I picked Wisconsin to cover the ten points, I still thought this would be closer you know, type of game. Like mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to be extremely low scoring at first half, which to a certain degree it kind of was, but like Michigan state would always be within striking distance. We got that game for a quarter. And then after a- about that, about a quarter and yeah. it was just over. So on the season, the Badger defense, four touchdowns opposing offenses, four touchdowns. Crazy. I, they, okay. Okay. Another one. So now we got to say this. Is this a real college football playoff team? Yes. I think so too. It, I, I, I would say, I was darn close to it coming into this game. Yeah. Um, if they would have won, I predicted 28 to 7 earlier in the day. Okay. Let's say if they would have won 20 to 10, I would have been like, I need to see more. Yeah. At this point, though, like, I is, we, we've, we're not trying to, I hope we haven't sound like we're talking too much smack to Michigan State. I still think Michigan State is overall a pretty darn good team. Yeah. This is, I still think about like an eight and four team, you know, solid bowl team. Mm hmm. Um, um, so the fact that Wisconsin stomped down on him like that, yes, it's a real life. I think college so. football playoff contender. I, this is, this Wisconsin team looks to me, they, they pass the eye test, the quote eye test for me, where they, they've got more talent than I think they've had in the past, especially like you look at the wide receivers, man, they're good. See if this looks good. Yeah. Ferguson looks good. Cone, tight end. You know, Cone is, is, has outpaced anything I thought he would do at quarterback. I, I, honestly, you know, Jonathan The whole Taylor. thing is. Get Wisconsin off their 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 safe spot as far as how they do things offensively and defensively, but nobody's gotten nobody's no. even nudged them. Not even close off yet. that spot. So until you see it, this is who Wisconsin is. Yes, with the win, Wisconsin moves to six and zero. Bull eligibility, big day. I was um, I was a little we nervous. Didn't know if they'd make it. And Michigan State still has not been idle. They dropped to four and three. They could use, I think, some idleness, some idility. Ideality. Um, all right, that leaves us two evening games. First up, woo! Minnesota 34, Nebraska 7. The Gophers with 450 yards of total offense to the Cornhuskers 300. Where has this offensive line been, or where was it early in the year? And interesting enough, Mount Falele out did for not this play, game. and so that was. Is, the, is there a little bit of course? I don't want to overdo it and start negative, but I don't know. Maybe so they shuffled their offensive line all around for this game. Guys in new positions everywhere, and they were dominant, absolutely dominant. Um, and I'll st- okay. So this is the uh, this is the bits of broken chair game. Ah, uh, yes, of course, the um, famous trophy. Right, and we won't go too deep into the trophy because it's not really that famous, and there's it's not really a trophy um i'll tell you this if there was a bit of broken chair it would have been from minnesota and nebraska fans 
picking up a chair and throwing it at each other last week. On oh my gosh, Twitter! We it should have made ridiculous. a bigger deal out of it heading into the last podcast. Um, Go- it's been as chippy as chippy can be. Oh my gosh, it's, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, and Gophers are the ones laughing now. You know, this is the first time ever that Brooks Smith and Ibrahim have all been healthy at the same time. So is that part of a deal? I think that's a big is part. The, of is too. their offensive line been more similar? To last year than we realize, but the running backs just haven't been there. To I don't know. I think there's part of, part of that. I mean, Ibrahim's been banged up all year. Brooks is finally just getting healthy, really now. I mean, I think we can probably call him officially healthy. Uh, th- this team is getting better each week. I think that's fair. I mean, I think pretty much from week one to two to three to four to five, every single week this team has improved. Yeah, that's coaching, right? Good and, job by PJ Flack. Um. The only exception that would be uh, the maybe the Georgia Southern game, but they were up in that game and then they just flipped yeah. it away. Um, but no, that's that's fair. I would say, to a certain degree, these the competition has stepped up, notched up, you know, here and there. I mean, um, um, you know, Big Ten play starting out with Illinois, going to Purdue, and then uh, Minnesota. That's stepping it up, or uh, uh, Nebraska. That's mm-hmm. I would say stepping it up in competition each week, and yeah. they have stepped right up. But that's actually a really good point. Yeah. I think um, they're getting better every week. One of the Hoosier lines that we talked about uh, going into this game was the Hoosier line of of uh, Minnesota running the ball and Nebraska being able to stop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a Hoosier line that the Nebraska defense failed miserably. At. Yeah, you know, this is supposedly... So they gave, they gave up 322 yards oh. of rushing, but it was actually worse than that Seemed in the like first it. half. It was, well, it was 250 yards, 225 oh. yards in the first half. So to a certain degree, I think Minnesota kind of choked her down in the second half. Um, it And I know, I mean, we have to make obviously the statement that Adrian Martinez was out. Yep. Um, uh, J.D. Spielman J- was J. playing, Spielman. but he was, he didn't look healthy. Um, Wondell Robinson was carted off during the game. Yes. They, they are very banged up. I mean, Mo Washington is probably not hundred percent healthy either. All their skill positions are really banged up. Their offensive line is bad, but here's what, but what I was going to say is, yep. I'll give Nebraska fans credit. I actually haven't heard them using the injury thing no, I for, as either. an excuse Not at all, all. On, on Twitter because I think, and this is my sense, they realize that to a certain degree, Michael Vick, Virginia Tech day, throwing to Michael Irvin, Miami days, wouldn't have made any difference running behind this offensive line right yeah, now. Yeah, well, the offensive line's bad. The defensive line looked bad. Just defensive front seven looked bad. This penalties is supposedly again. Yeah, again, penalty. Well, five penalties. Not, sir, not too not bad. Too bad. But, but this, Scott Frost even said, quote, we got pushed around on both sides of the ball. And this is supposedly we've, we've been hearing from Nebraska fans, oh, we're, we're, the strength and conditioning so much better. It doesn't look any different than it looked in the Riley era. Because we're any getting different. on two years since this coaching regime took over. Yeah. Because they basically would have took over December-ish of, you know, almost two years ago. Um, how long? That's a question that's out there on Twitter. Does it take for strength conditioning to improve and take over? I think you can see a difference in two years. To me, you should see a difference this comes in two down years. to scheme and techniques. Oh, yeah. It's, it's scheme and technique. Absolutely. The defensive staff might just be over their head right now. Yeah. And I will give the offensive staff a little bit of a break just for the personnel because of the injuries, and, yeah. and whatnot, but not with the offensive line. There hasn't been, to my knowledge, a bunch of people no, going I don't think in so. and out of the O-line. The O-line is something that – and th- and this has been 
you know, for people that follow me on Twitter, and I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, this to me would be the biggest bone I would have to pick if I'm a Nebraska fan against Scott Frost is how are you, you know, two years in roughly what, 18, 19 games into your uh, Nebraska tenure, how can the offensive line and defensive line collectively, but mostly the offensive line look this bad? I don't know. And I tell you another thing too, in fighting that I've read between Nebraska fans, if you're a Nebraska fan, you have every right in the world to be upset with Scott Frost at this point. Of course you do. This does not. It was look supposed good. to look better than this at this point. You it have too much talent to for it to not look better than this. And and uh, uh, if this would, you know, when this happened versus uh, Ohio State, yeah. um, we know how well oiled of a machine Ohio State is from where Ryan Day took over. Let's say maybe this happened against uh, Wisconsin. Okay, uh, Paul Christ has been there for you know a long time. He's got the thing up and running. PJ's only been there a year longer yeah. than Scott Frost, and he didn't take over. You know, I mean, it was maybe in a little bit better. I don't know. I, I, the talent level not less. I, yeah, there, it's it's the talent level is less that PJ took over. So this is again. I this is it has gotten to the point now where you can call and and call out Scott Frost for lack of productivity. With I think the program, so. yeah. and I won't go into the exact quotes, but basically he said. We had our players where they were supposed to be. We knew what players they they were going to run. They just didn't stop them. And then there was openly people commenting on Twitter that he was screaming at his team to run on and off of the field, mm. that they were just walking on and off. Wow. That's, That's not a good. thing. That's not good. So they're four and three. So it's not like a disaster season. For sure. Um, they still got a lot to play for. They still got a, a bowl in their sights. But – Here's my problem with with what I'm with that record. What's what is their marquee win so far? They beat South Alabama. They beat Northern Illinois. They beat Illinois, and they beat Northwestern. Correct. So it's, I guess Northwestern. And that was their mark. And it was that ugly. was the biggest chippiness between Nebraska and Minnesota fans coming into this game. And Nebraska fans on Twitter kept saying, "Who has Minnesota played? They've played nobody to get to this." Neither has Nebraska. Nebraska has played nobody either. Nope. In fact, when they have played teams with a semi-pulse, they've gotten beat by them. Obviously, Ohio State's on a different level. Take that one off, yep. right? Take that one away. If you, you know, but Colorado is just okay. They got yes. beat by them. Minnesota is good. They got beat by them. Colorado got their ass kicked. Correct. On Friday. And now after this, I mean, obviously we'll talk about this on the next podcast, but Indiana at Purdue, Wisconsin up next for Nebraska. These are three gigantic games Gosh. to stay bowl Eligible. Absolutely, I'm. I'm wondering right now because okay, last year they were four and eight. Looks, the record looked awful. But they finished but they were, well. But they were they finished well, and they were they were better than a four and eight team because they they kind of collapsed in multiple games. They look worse this year than they looked last year. I think at I mean certainly yeah. in the back half of last. I mean it, year. it's a. I don't know if I can make that statement, but it's the fact that it's even up for debate is a is an issue. I mean, I think I don't think it's that much of a debate in the back half of last year versus now correct they were better last year and then culture has been a big thing that nebraska fans have talked about a lot um there seems to be issues with yeah. that dumb you know a dumb penalty not a ton of them but a dumb penalty in the effort stuff we're talking about and then to end it on a positive note the culture that gets made fun of a lot by people sure. outside of minneapolis 
that PJ Fleck has put together, which I'm not a big fan of, but at the same time, like I don't think we've ever like there's times I've gotten accused by Nebraska fans of being I am I am no PJ Fleck fan. We we have openly called him Boat Boy for years. I'm I'm not on Team PJ, but I'm on Team Facts that are in front of my face that I can't deny. It sure seems like all of the Gopher fans love being on this football team. Or, yeah, it uh, does. All the Gopher, excuse me, players love to be on this football team. There is no right doubt now, about that. The the Gopher fans that are committed and in that have been from the beginning are proud. They, they love the guy. It, they, they embrace him. They knew they needed something different. They're seeing yeah. the results on the field. It's kind of hard to argue with that. It, it is hard to argue with results right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're they're six and zero and have been hot the last the six games before that. Yeah. The, you know, winning a bowl yeah. in Wisconsin. I mean, the things that PJ has you know pounded his chest in the podium and saying. It's, they're, they're happening. They're, they are happening. You so can't you got to give it. them credit. And uh, the the tweet that I put out today is the weirdest rivalry in all of sports is Gopher football versus the Twin Cities media. Yeah, I'm gonna start paying just a little bit more attention to it I have this to. week because at some point the Twin Cities media has got to stop being a bunch of d bags and actually put some effort into. Yeah, to, I mean it's it's like. It, it doesn't even register for them, and the only way it can register for the media is negatively. Correct. That's it. That's that's how they want to try to sell that section of the sports page. It's very strange. It is weird. So with the win, Minnesota moves to 6-0, and and Nebraska drops to 4-3. and Last game up, the Big Ten game of the week. Penn State 17, Iowa 12, a very Penn State Iowa score. Absolutely. Nittany Lions with 294 yards of offense to the Hawkeyes, 356. Let's start with the uniforms. What'd you think of the alts? I liked them way more live than I thought. So did I. I. So I, did I. I. It looked good. And they did. It actually, it like brought a, I don't know how to say, a colorful energy to the field. I don't know how to say it. And I do, I did appreciate the the shout out to the banana peels, like the bringing back the banana peels. Because yeah. I always thought at the time that was cool. Yeah. It was a different Uni so they, era, but they interviewed the designer, young kid that came up with them. Um, he, he, I don't know where he's from, but he knew about the banana peel. Okay. So they ran it at halftime. Uh, the that and uh, he knew about the banana. Uh-huh. He didn't call them banana peels, right? Um, but he said, and this is something I said before. But he said, you know, Hayden Fry, who was who, he was ahead of his time. He was, and he tried to be Oregon before his Oregon. I don't think it was properly rolled no, out it on top of that. But that was the thought process was to stand out and be unique with the uniforms. Right. And he even said back then, I know our older farmers won't like it for for fans. Okay. But it's all about the younger kids. Yeah. That was what Coach Fry said. I mean, we're talking no kidding. over 20 so years So that was ago. like back in like 95-ish, right? 94. Yeah. 94. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, long story short, I thought they looked good. It's, so, it's okay. nothing that they're going to go back to again. Let me comment on them. They looked better than I expected them to. I'm so thankful they wore black shoes. The overall look, it was it was fine. Yeah. I mean, for an alt, I'm actually okay with it. I'm going to give them the thumbs up. Holy cow. I'm giving them the thumbs up. I am. For an alt, it's okay right. to do it one time. I am and sitting across from the table in the downstairs athletic club. I'm just stunned right now. But you know great. what I'm giving them thumbs down to? Yeah. Penn State's away uniforms. Oh, <laughs> Come on. But here's it was oh, a, there was good contrast in the game. But there it was. I wouldn't say either uniform was great, Those but I do. Uniforms approve. are so clean and fresh, and you know it. Now, one thing I forgot to mention about Purdue, though, 
their helmet, yeah, everything overall that looked great. That was another good. Unique. It looked fantastic. It I was. didn't think I was gonna like that helmet when I first saw it, but on the whole ensemble, yes. And another one, big thumbs up. Nothing new here, but I I love Michigan State's away uniforms. Those are badass. Those are pretty awesome. Okay, I guess we have to talk about game. Unless you just want to end the podcast, I'm fine yeah. with that. No. All right, I'm Big Kurt. <laughs> All right, um, it was a Penn State Iowa game. It and, was. And uh, um, we've kind of the theme kind of been here is to start with the negative, so we'll we'll continue that theme and then okay. we'll end on a Penn State positive. Um, the uh, the frustration is mounting with the Iowa fan base. Um, I'm nervous that it's mounting inside the uh, uh, locker room, which is this. Again, uh, we I would say four of the last five years, maybe five of the last five years, Iowa's had a good enough defense to win the Big Ten championship. Okay. At the very least, get to Indianapolis. To get to Indianapolis. I think that's fair. It has been wasted on a offense that just doesn't get it done. No. And this offense... Did not get it done. And we we heard all year, and we saw early in the season indications that this was going to be more explosive, that there were more playmakers on the outside. And, you know, once you get to Michigan, once you get to Penn State, there is a, that is not happening anymore. So would, I think this would be a different line we have to talk about. I was going to say this before, and I forgot to. This is like a Hoosier line, but it's a level up. It's okay. like a... It's like a Nittany Lion line. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> once like you that. reach the a Nittany Lions. Level, that's, where, yeah. that's where Iowa's offense just craps all over itself and it doesn't get it done. Right now, where Iowa fans are focusing the most on, and I think it's accurate, is the interior offensive line for the Iowa Hawkeyes looks like doo-doo. And, in fact, tackle, center, tackle are good to very good, okay. but the guards are – bad i don't know how else to say well the yards per carry thing is just rearing its ugly head again and this is pathetic Um, nate stanley had to throw the ball 43 times and people are are getting on brian ferentz for abandoning the run there was no running there's no run to get 2.3 yard average they ran the ball 30 times for a grand total of 70 yards and i guarantee the as a play caller not that i've ever Called plays, but I can pretty much guarantee that if you're getting into the middle of the second quarter, second half, and every time you carry the ball, you are getting nothing out of it. I, you just got to go away from you, it. You're, you're just tired of, yeah. of banging your head against the, the wall at that point. Another thing I'd like to point out on the negative, there was a slant pass called, a good play call by uh, Brian Ferentz, um, and a, your, your fourth-year quarterback, three-year starter, couldn't hit a slant route. Oh. It was and it, it, it was a beautiful call because Brandon Smith has been known to uh, run the fades and you know you yeah. throw it over top because he's a sure. physical receiver. So what they do, they faked it and went in and he he just had to make the throw and he did not. Mm. And instead of getting seven, you get three. I, I don't think it's with I don't think it's up for debate. That is the angriest I've ever been at an Iowa football game on a player on a single place. I, I really I, I couldn't stop swearing. I, I think I, I think I made a scene. I think people were looking at me at Kinnick. I think even my brother at some point was like, Ooh, boy, you uh you're you're pissed. And I'm like How well, do you not hit that? How do you not hit that slant route? And and oh, the turnovers man. is another thing. It yeah. seems like there's a Hoosier line for them with turnovers. Like they I get up to year. a certain yeah. like level of defense and they just start making mistakes. Correct. Um but on the other side of that, the reason Iowa couldn't run the ball, the reason Iowa did turn the ball sure. over, is because the Penn State defense 
will travel and it did travel it was impressive there are they are equal parts physical and athletic on that defense um that must have been fun to watch in person i mean it was it was a really good defensive slugfest sure and i'm i am but I mean, little... like specifically at Penn State, watching those Penn State athletes on defense, that must have been cool. I, I know I've got, I know I got my Hawkeye, you know, on my chest here, but both defenses made this game look like, I mean, it was a very good game defensively. So did you notice they're starting to get a little respect as a college football playoff team now? Correct. Which they and finally they, do. I mean, and they, they weren't be. tested heavily going into this game either. So this is a this is their first big test. They passed it. I was impressed again. Offensive line, when they needed to move yes. Iowa, they moved them. When they, they had were. to, when it really counted. There is no doubt the uh, comment that I made to our uh, uh, Penn State insider, Mr. Perkins, and I give a shout-out, never push the douche uh, button, you know, either on Twitter or on DM, good dude. Yep. Um, another, you know, uh, positive thing to say about Penn State fans. Um, uh, the one thing I said to him was just what I came out with Overall, but like specifically to Sean Clifford, mm-hmm. but also Noah Kane, they were tough. Okay. That was a hard-hitting game. They had to fight for yards. They wore Iowa's defense down at some point. The toughness of this Penn State offense is what showed itself out. Okay. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't throw no. the ball the whole game. So what did they do? They just started running Grinding. Clifford left and Kane right, and Kane was able. Oh, boy. That's your that's one. My one. That's it. That's You're done. <laughs> You're done, Greg. That's my one. You had to go there. So that's where I got to give. It is as impressive as the Penn State defense was, to a certain degree, it's what I expected. The Penn State offensive toughness. And then, by the way, uh, when you are the the team that is rooting against the Penn State offense, uh uh, the human joystick frightens you every single time he goes into motion. Like my butthole puckered up every KJ? time they moved KJ Hamler. Yeah. Every time they moved him around, and every time you were about to punt or kick off to him, I just was saying, just just kick it out of bounds. Yeah. Just kick it like he scares the hell out of you. So I saw an awesome tweet today. It was uh, Iowa fans preseason. Well, you know it's a tough schedule. You got Penn State, you got Michigan. We'll probably go eight and four. <laughs> Cut to right now. Iowa fans freaking out. Oh, my God. What the hell is happening? Yes. We lost to Michigan. Yeah. We lost to Penn State. We're probably going to go eight and four. Yeah. It, that's that's the trick of college football yeah. fans and just the season in general. What we were saying at the tailgate before the game is um, I, I wasn't hugely confident. I mean, I picked Penn State to win this game yeah. by 11 before the game. Um, uh, by the way, they wound up covering. And Iowa had a two-point conversion, so mm. lots of people were probably tuning in oh, to watch yeah. that play at that point. Um, um, but what I had said to my, you know, when we were talking about, I was like, you know, if we do win this game, we will have gone through the first half of the gauntlet of our schedule mm-hmm. at Iowa State, at Michigan, Penn State at home. If we can finish this two and one, we have got to be feeling pretty good about ourselves heading into the rest of the year. And everybody's like, yes, that would be amazing. But nobody wants to talk about how awful you would feel after losing the game. But that's yeah. that's how she goes. Yeah, but, but still, it, still plenty for Iowa to play for. Yeah. Although it's it's going to be tough to win the West at this. Point. Yeah, I mean at this point you got to beat Wisconsin. Hope they lose another game. That's it. And which like is, the only way to me that Iowa can get in 
to Indy is finish 10 and two, which means win out. Yep. And it's just I hard think that's for probably me to true. see them doing that with this type of offense. So with the win, Penn state moves to six and oh, and Iowa drops to four and two. One more positive note to end the podcast on down goes Georgia. Yes. To lowly South Carolina. <laughs> with their third string quarterback, I believe third string quarterback. Um, that was just beautiful. That got the game. That got the <laughs> weekend. I mean, this is a big deal. That's a big, a big win deal. for Oregon. Now gets back into the race for the college football playoff mm-hmm. a little bit, um, or just the fact that it gets things back into the race where we don't have to get two and freaking stupid three SEC teams yep. jammed down our throat by ESPN and ABC affiliates. Like that's going to happen. That I'm not saying it completely puts the kibosh on it but it it drastically hurt that oh kind it, of it reduces talk. that kind of stupid talk for sure i mean south carolina was has been a bad not a good team at no all. they're I bad mean, they've lost they're games bad. out of out of the sec against crappy competition um i mean that was just that was just fantastic to see it was beautiful me. yeah it was I a beautiful thing the day going day going so do we want to do the uh big 10 power rankings from yeah. saturday tradition yeah. Justin Shooty, okay, starting Go. at 14. Gee, it's it's their own level. At their own level. It Rutgers is. Scarlet Knights. Yep. He's dropping Maryland down to 13 now. Okay. At 3-3. Three and three. I'm not sure about that in Illinois, 12. I, I mean, I, 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 I'd put Maryland at 12. I would still put Illinois at 13 and Maryland at 12. I would, me. too. Yep. At 11 is Northwestern at 1-4. Yep. and four. Then Purdue, this they definitely deserve this, has moved up only at two and four, but moved up to number ten. Still got the not so good overall record, but, but they have shown the ability to be dangerous, obviously. Yeah, they're looking much better. Uh, at nine, Nebraska. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Eight, Indiana. Where, where was the hmm from? Seems low. Well, I guess you got to put I mean, them up. They're four and three. Start, their, four, their overall record is still good, mm-hmm. but I think you kind of go back to what you just talked about. Who did they beat to get no. to the four and three? So, and then there's teams in front of them that I don't sure. Know I mean, now them. you're getting up to Indiana, my favorite team, four and two. Uh, way to go, Hoosiers. Seven, Michigan State. I was up to six. Down or to down six. to six. I'm sorry. Yep. But up is the Minnesota Golden Gophers to Definitely. number five yep. at six and zero. Oh. Yep. And then Michigan Wolverines at at uh, four. Yep. Penn State at. Would it be three. crazy to put Minnesota in front of Michigan? No, it wouldn't be crazy at all. Okay. I mean. Michigan's offense. There's something wrong. It, there's yeah. something broken there right. on that team, and yep. there's nothing broken with the Gophers. Yep. I think Dustin. Sorry, I think I'm going to put Minnesota at four. Personally, I, I support that. Okay, Penn State three, Wisconsin two, and of course Ohio State at number one. I, I, I yeah, I, I you got to put Wisconsin second right now. To, I, think. I think, but I could be talked into a two A and two B thing yeah. between Wisconsin and Penn State. Yep, to a certain I agree. Degree, but there it is. Good. That's it. All right. Um, we really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. I'm Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kirk. That's it.